a very warm welcome to our Whispers of the Soul podcast, where we host conscious conversations with a spiritual and soulful twist. We and our guest speakers talk about life-changing events orchestrated from our soul, so that we can raise the profile of our quieter and more softer voice that comes from our intuition. So stay with us for your next soul download. Whispers of the soul. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Whispers of the Soul. I'm Sally. And I'm Sibby. And uh, we are joined today by a very special uh, guest. (laughs) Guest? Put your teeth in. Um, Who I'm going to introduce, if I can, uh, called Chris Holland. Um, Hello. Hello. Welcome, Chris. So a little bit about Chris. Chris is a leading inspiration in the field of nature connection and environmental education for families, schools and businesses. He has a natural talent for working with groups of people, telling stories. We like that. It's all about the stories. <laughs> uh, sharing bush craft skills, foraging, creating environmental art and even playing the didgeridoo. More on that later. Um, he wrote his first book, I Love My World, in 2009 which Michael Mapurgo said is a must for all. He's also created several CPD uh, and Nature Connection courses online too. So about the didgeridoo, he's also a world-class didgeridoo player and has created a suite of musical Nature Connection activities, celebrations, games and rituals now used by some of England's National Park Rangers, which sounds extraordinary and we will ask him about that shortly great um and we will of course include links for you guys to check out more about chris um in the show notes but uh welcome chris yeah thank you lovely to see you Uh, i obviously we've met and i i took my family on a camp that you were running with the lovely tamsin trill on the hill and uh I I was we just it was such an amazing week and we really felt that connection with nature and we all kind of switched off our tech and um you did your wonderful storytelling and music you know around the fire so um I obviously know a little bit about you but could you tell us how did it start this love of nature or when did it start can you remember or pinpoint anything in your life Oh, it's going to be one of those classic things of, you know, playing in the garden as a kid, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I was pretty lucky in that my mum and dad moved out of uh, living in Richmond to their sort of dream home, which was a gardener's cottage um, on the edge of a slightly rundown estate in Sussex. And um, yeah, there was a bit of a garden there and I, th- I remember a paddock and beyond that some bluebell woods and I, I, I remember just playing around in the garden I used to have a, like a, a cuddly tortoise and so I'd just be making dens for this tortoise in the garden and you know finding all kinds of stuff like grass snakes and cool things and of course playing around on the climbing frame and stuff but I think those are my earliest memories of just being allowed to be outdoors and what that does for kids so beneficial in terms of um yeah their sort of soul journey through life and their connection to nature and a sense of um sense of themselves it's a greater sense of yourself isn't it because we are all part of nature 
when you're playing as a kid, you just feel at one with it. Mm. Um, and I think I've been lucky enough to maintain that thread through my kind of adult life and um, yeah, realising after having done a degree in environmental science that it doesn't have to be all head in terms of education it's not all stuff there there's so much to do with the heart and the body and and that play is where people learn most um uh most quickly uh, and make develop those connections really quickly so yeah as sibby knows that's i'm facilitate the family camp for people and i hope that that brings nature connection to everybody who's there um it's not too serious and uh yeah. <laughs> We like playing games, like nature connection games and yeah. things like that, because they work on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, I witnessed that firsthand. That you know what what my eldest got out of the night games, you know, yeah. that we played. And I have to say, we went on a um, on a walk um, on Saturday, and we're still looking for wood sorrel. Oh. <laughs> so you know, and eating it, yeah. and um. My and my eldest is keeps calling it. He calls it power ups. Mm. Power, power ups. ups. Yeah, so when he finds it, he's like, right, some power ups. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know not yeah. just that, but that's just one of the impacts that it made. But I think you're right. I, I don't know what you think, Sally, but like because for children, there's so much more encouragement to play, isn't there? And then mm. as an adult, mm. you you sometimes forget how to be playful and that you're allowed to be playful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Do you think there's barriers there for if you want to, um, you know, how do you navigate that in your life if you feel that you've lost that ability to play? Is Can, can nature provide like a doorway for that, would you say? Or has it for you? Well, it has for me. I, yeah. um, I was just thinking that, you know, I think we have to sort of deconstruct a whole bunch of the conditioning that's brought to us by uh modern western european maybe but certainly british education system like the whole thing in a way takes away the playful spirit yeah. um, you're allowed to play sport but then you have to compete so time outdoors playing um you know playing it or um uh, you know other games that the kids play like 40 40 in and stuff like that it's all a kind of hide and seek based play and i think you know people do have especially children have these kind of um childhood passions don't they which are sort of certain ways that they're learning like they want to run or they want to climb or they want to and this is all kind of play so mm -hmm. nature um does provide that all those invitations to come out and play and interact and connect for me i think uh I can get a bit serious about things, but um, surfing is my kind of play. I'm sort of learning a lot about, you know, the water and the weather and the and my body, how to how it responds. And I, I, I do it, it, it by doing it. That's how I'm learning and that's how I'm playing. And I suppose and I also play music as well. So that's that's kind of play, isn't it? You can treat it really seriously and read lines and mm. of music and stuff or um, I do tend, I just tend to improvise a lot and try and challenge and stretch myself a bit. Um, and that's playing. It's playing at our edges, isn't it? It's helping us grow. So I think modern life means that we're all a bit strapped to the, the mortgage um, payments and, you know, 
etc um back in the rat race and there's not much time for play in a rat race is there no yeah. so when people get out and about it gets them in touch with their playful side and nature kind of says come on yeah. come and sit over here come and play hide and seek come and climb a tree yeah, yeah that stuff definitely yeah there's something isn't there about kind of stripping it all away and getting back to mm. basics and mm. having that almost visceral experience of really activating not just the mind but the the body the physical response to being out in nature and yeah. potentially the emotional response and for some people the spiritual response yeah. you know it's yeah. uh, it's yeah, definitely it can really provide that can't it to connect in so many different ways as opposed to what we're so used to now if we're you know like you say with the roles and responsibilities of the education system social media everything's about this mental connection and this feels very draining mm. you know mm. what you offer is is something i think much needed for children as well as adults alike yeah. you know, it's just, i think adults need it more because i think yeah. we've, we've yeah. kind of forgotten and if we then remember the its value then we'll protect it for our kids because i was listening to a podcast with professor jan white in it just recently she's talking about protecting um it's like protecting the last stronghold of of children which is their mm. um their, their right to play oh, yeah, yeah it's really needed but i think with us grown-ups it's sort of it's often the elements that get us like fire earth air water kind of connection with those people like to play with fire don't they and kind of um going to interact with it and still that feeling of water and playfulness comes out when you're splashing about in the water or flicking yeah. through it, your, your partner because you just washed up and you know yeah just, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Silly. yeah yeah it is it's a way of like also i think there's that there's that kind of sense of awe as well, isn't there, with the, with the elements that that, that yeah. lack of control, like however however much we think we're in control, actually, yeah. you know, there's this big planet that is doing its thing, and yeah. <laughs> the climate and the weather is doing its thing, and absolutely, actually, you know, um, I, I'm reading this book about um, Monet Key writes this shamanic these shamanic rites, but. Um, she mentions the blue marble, which was this picture taken in the 70s of Earth. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's like it looks like a blue marble, but you can see mm. the swirliness of the, you know, the, the continents and the ocean and everything. And it's I think it must I think it made quite an impact when it was published, because I guess mm. in the 70s, it was maybe one of the um, one of the better pictures at that time. Yeah. And, yeah. and even just last night, just looking at that, I was just. Gosh, you know, it's just so expansive. Or inspiring <laughs> that we just are on this planet. Look at this planet that we're on, you know. Yeah. And and I think you just need to check in with that awe, don't you? As well. Yeah. But also the amazing, the amazing fact that we can interact with it as well and that we're part of it. Mm. And remind, remind ourselves of that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's uh yes, awe and wonder, gratitude, yeah. those kind of practices. I don't know if all is awe a practice. But, um, Being yeah, I don't born. know. <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's not that kind I of am, show to be. Yeah, I'm awing at the moment. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> oh God, is that one of my? Sometimes I come out with stuff, and it's like, oh, I, um, 
comedy golden <laughs> genius moments <laughs> from Subi. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, Sally, do you want to, because you, I was going to say about music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what Chris was saying about improvising, improvising. your yeah. take on music. Sally's a musician as well. Well, oh. well, I, I struggle I to. put her on the spot now. Wear, I, I struggle to wear that title. Well, yes, but, but you are. Yeah, I mean, for me, improvise, improvisation is quite freeing. And like you were saying about the playful element, it brings that in without you feeling you have to, you know, read music and follow what you know what somebody else has already written and mm. it um and very expressive and uh i i went back to uni as a mature student and did a creative expressive therapies degree and i had the, i was on oh, the music yeah. pathway yeah and, um so it was a lot of improvisation work and uh, uh composition work yeah. which made me remember why i like music when i was a kid and then yeah. i had this whole chunk in between where i just didn't really do anything with it yeah. and then I was like oh gosh yeah this is this is fun this is you can you know do so many different things with it such a creative therapeutic practice yeah and there's something about music as well that you know this kind of idea of it being universal and how it can unite people mm. and bring people together and um yeah. I'm just interested on on you know the um stuff that you've been involved with because obviously world-class didgeridoo player yeah i mean that's pretty Ooh. awesome right <laughs> aka the didgeridoo <laughs> man yes <Yeah. laughs> i know it's just a quote somebody said about after a it. gig that i've done and i was like wow thank you that's really <laughs> nice I, I, i'll have that yeah <laughs> it's, it's sick um yeah so the musical nature connection activities that um we were talking about in the introduction yeah. i mean that sounds amazing and especially that it's being used more and more yeah it is um yeah i'm really sort of grateful for that um that that thread i suppose of um coming for me for me it came from didgeridoo and teaching people didgeridoo and because there are no there's no written way of well there is there is now but no written tradition no oral tradition of teaching didgeridoo it's with words um and so i as a white person teaching didgeridoo in England was looking for other ways to not use Aboriginal words, but we can use the words and sentences in, um, from, from nature, from, um, yeah, from shapes, from sounds, that, uh, from, because a didgeridoo, you use your mouth to make the shapes of the sound. Um, mm. You can kind of mimic or copy landscape, you know, or shapes of an oak leaf, or um, look at a flower and how many petals it's got. And that can give you a way to structure a piece of music. So I was encouraging people to make very simple loops by looking at these shapes and patterns um, and then laying them out in a line or a circle so that they can create a piece of music. And And then inside, I was looking at well, I know that inside is still natural. It's a human generated environment, but there's lots of patterns within there, whether it's numbers of windows or you know, numbers of boards on the floor and different boards have got different shapes on them. So we could copy that in some way or express it. And so it became a way of just using what we could see around us to sort of help us play the space. 
and mm. bring it to life musically, as it were, through, you know, with our, with humans giving it a voice. And then with my forest school work, I thought, well, actually, a lot of these things, you can just use body percussion and your voice um, to do the same thing. So we ended up sort of creating these sort of games, um, activities, like playful rituals um, that bring about a celebration of people, place and, and plants, really. Um, yeah, mm. it's kind of like this master of ceremonies sometimes, yeah. um, but just a, just fun for kids and, and grown ups, too. I mean, it's, it can be really can really can be really silly, profound or um, and and joyful any of those things depends on the moment and the people yeah you see i don't know much about the didgeridoo i've never tried to play one so it was interesting mm. what you were saying about forming different shapes of the mouth that then can copy or resonate with different parts of scenery and mm. nature and that's that's awesome surely it's a different way of connecting isn't it to to reading to reading some oh, yeah. music on a page it's sort of making connections on a, a different level, isn't it? To, mm. to translate, trying to translate yeah. something in nature to, into music. I, lo I love that, that connection, that, that journey from that to that. Yeah, and for, what I like about it too is that it's, it's, about, it's up for your own interpretation. Mm. Whereas a, a musical score, that note means that, and yeah. it's that long. Whereas mm. an oak leaf to, to Sibby will mean a different thing to Sally musically. Um, yeah. But you can, if Sally's trying to teach Sibby, um, you know, a, a little piece of music that you've just created, you can look at the uh, look at the oak leaf and go, oh, yeah, I see it. I see what you mean, because your um, minds can kind of pick up on what someone else is seeing. And then you can agree on it and you can kind of play more because you're, um, you're it's like a game, isn't it? You're yes. kind of putting these little puzzle pieces together and then you, you're going along with the rules of the game yeah. and make music. Um, it's like an intuitive process, isn't it? Um, yeah. And you can flow with it rather than it be mm. rigid and, you know, sticking There's to... that thing, I've forgotten, what, I've forgotten the proper name for it. It's something like synthesis. Synesthesia. That's it. Where um, you make... Yeah, so yeah. Let, let light can become sound and sound yeah. can become form and form can, you know, all of that kind of... Where your senses are yeah a mixed a it's mixed up cool, i read it? something about somebody who who was employed by an orchestra to she had synesthesia synesthesia so hard to say i know i can't <laughs> <You haven't seen laughs> <her>. no <laughs> Yeah. She had that oh, thing. Sounds like there's something wrong with it. Oh, she's got synesthesia. I mean, synesthesia. It's terrible, it's really difficult to say. But she, yeah. So she was employed by an, an orchestra because she saw sound. So she would go into the um, orchestra and she could see if there were any instruments out of tune. So, like, no way. Actually, That's see so it. Cool. So then, I, I mean, I'm, I can't remember exactly. You know, like, I've, it's somebody told me about this but yeah so I guess the way she sees the orchestra then there's a slight color that's off or something mm. when someone's out of tune isn't that amazing though yeah I find that fascinating I'm glad she I don't know senses. where because <laughs> I saw Stop playing or singing. She'd be like, oh. it's so fascinating though. It's in a bit of brown and grey over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Hang> <laughs> Can I ask Absolutely. you Chris yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it I, I know um I was just thinking about, like, how do you see your um, spiritual connection to nature? How do you, 
how does that manifest for you? Like, how do you feel that when you're in nature? Because some people have a very specific, some people sort of believe in nature spirits and they'll actually communicate. You know, we had a lady on our podcast, Amy, who actually communicates with nature spirits. Other people, like for me, I don't have such a specific thing, but I I just, I feel, you know, I can feel deeply that connection. Mm but it doesn't necessarily mean I feel I'm in direct communication with something, something. if yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah. How does it manifest for you? Oh. Tricky uh, question. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's one of those things that could take a while to mm. answer because it, it has many different facets to it. Yeah. I would say. And, um, yeah, I th- there's the, the subtleness of nature and my my body response to a place so i feel like my my spirit because i believe i have a i feel believe i have a spirit inside of me that can go out of my body and see things uh because i've experienced that you know a couple of times and so there's whatever that part of me is that can journey physically through physical space um i don't know so there's that um spirit in me uh, responds to different places so like with Dartmoor for example I feel like I have quite a spiritual connection with Dartmoor and I'm not really sure what it is but there's a kind of there's a kind of grounding a peacefulness that a um, yeah I just come to earth a bit more um, up on Dartmoor and So there's that sort of side of the spiritual side of things. And then I very much believe in the kind of the spirit of place in that different places have got you know different feelings, partly for different people, but, you know, an energy builds up in a place. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that happened linking it to the natural musicians thing is like the spirit of the land. And this is a, little little story of being up in scotland with a friend we'd um he's a musician as well and we had a, i had a didgeridoo on me he had his berimbau which is a sort of south american um instrument which which is a like a long piece of wood which is bowed it's got a metal string on it and a gourd and you kind of play it and it goes that kind of thing um and yeah we we were together for a weekend we walked up to stone circle and we were dowsing along the way because we were just talking about it we thought great let's cut a bit of wire off this old fence and we made a couple of dowsing rods got to this stone circle um and thought well let's douse the stone circle and we found that there seemed to be like five lines of energy coming in or going across the stone circle or something and no concentric rings within the stone circle the stone circle was probably like 30 40 yards across it was quite a big space and um, probably 30 yards i'd say and then we thought right let's play some music some devotional gratitude for the place our ancestors who created this place how different it must have been when they were there and just the moment so we played music together we point faced the landscape as we did to just kind of get a bit of inspiration i suppose and um and then we thought great let's uh, douse it again and then we found that there were like 13 radiating wow. lines or something going across the stone circle and three 
concentric rings um, of energy within it. And it's like, wow, how did that happen? Was that us being more sensitive? Had the land woken up? Um, you know, we had both read a book which was called Songlines by Bruce Chatwin about Aboriginal people uh, and the songs that they sing about the land um, and how, in a way, their their one of their their worldview can be that as they're singing the song, it helps the land be in existence, mm. um, and it's it's also a map around the landscape. So they're sort of they're part of the dreaming of the creation into existence as they're singing mm -hmm. the song. So it helps keep it alive. Um, and I was just thinking, well, oh, I wonder if you know music and dance and celebration um, with that sort of right mind, that sort of spirit spiritual perspective um, helps keep the land mm. alive. I yeah. So I don't know if that helps with my kind of perspective on spirit and spirituality um it really yeah. does yeah, yeah. I, I love the idea that you woke up that you sort of woke up that area of mm. land through mm. through your music and you know that you sort of make oh i love that yeah 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 there's something about i i think as well from the chat we had with amy there's something about certain places almost being neglected or forgotten about Mm. overlooked and it's you know i suppose if you go back to different times where the solstices were celebrated in more of a uh, you know out, they were outside and they were in these sorts of places celebrating and uh, you know continuously bringing mm. in the energy from yeah. dancing or playing music or singing and and that kind of over the decades has you know got less and less hasn't it so it's interesting yeah, that, yeah i find that fascinating i kind of mm. see earth is having her own kind of energy and energy centers and energy grids and it's just yeah when we can use sound and frequency and through this way of connecting it kind of helps in that remembering yeah mm. like that dreaming into you know creation that is uh quite powerful isn't it and the Aboriginal. yeah yeah so whenever i'm doing things like at the moment i'm working with a um, a kindergarten in London in Bethnal Green um, doing sort of mentoring coaching for their kind of nature connectedness of their staff I suppose it, it, not every time but most times I go up there once a quarter of the year we kind of do a little musical natural musicians kind of celebration and it just I know that that love and that attention and the, the good vibes sort of are there and the people that are doing it are kind of because they really love their little space in Bethnal Green which you know it gets used by all kinds of or interacted with by all kinds of people I know that the lady that works there has been bringing good vibes for several years and yeah, um, mm. yeah it's really nice to sort of contribute to re reviving places yeah. Mm. yeah and you can feel the difference can't you when somebody is consistently doing mm. that in different places you just feel the the energy's different yeah in that yeah. way i wanted to ask you actually about the storytelling yeah um, so you know the storytelling based mentorships and things that you do and yeah because i think storytelling again is another one of those um old forgotten arts really that people you know i mean but but then it it sells books and it sells movies and so it's not that we've forgotten how to do it it's just that yeah. we don't do it perhaps in the 
way that our ancestors once did it. And there's something powerful about that, I think, you know, in the oral storytelling. Mm. I don't know, what's what's your experience with it and how have you seen it help people and, you know, navigate oh. them into a better space maybe? Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, well, you're totally right in that storytelling is still really alive. I think it isn't a dead art. I think it's just transformed um, in the last, yeah, whatever it is since radio or, you know, TV has come along and then especially like Netflix series and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I'm so moved at the moment by the woman in the wall. Well, I don't know if you've seen I'm that not, series on BBC. but. Um, yeah really really moving emotional sort of drama um and i think that's you know, that's where stories work so well is that um oral storytelling without the pictures and around, without the um imagery that's applied it, your own imagination sort of sees what's happening and if the storyteller is kind of imagining something in their heads it may or may not be similar to what the listener is imagining but um the listener is picking up on well stories speak to everybody in a slightly different way or the same story might speak to the audience uh, the individuals in the audience in a different way and i know i love that because um there are so many layers to good old stories that have kind of been crafted over hundreds thousands of years some of these kind of old creation myths or um just fables and uh yeah they're still around for a reason um and because they're they're good medicine for people they they teach us things on different different levels mm. yeah, that's one of the reasons why i love telling the stories is not only am i feel like i'm keeping these precious things alive that it's, it's a way of passing them on and um i don't have to do any of the teaching at all the story does all yeah. the teaching um and the you know the listener gets what they want from it whether it's you know laughing at an accident or it's a deep message or um and it's not just oral story storytelling too as Sibi will, will probably say it, it i think there's a way that each storyteller crafts the story and shares it that's quite individual and so that can include movement it can it can be sometimes even like not a voice it can just be movement and action that does a lot of the storytelling um or, or music can really help sort of share a, a feeling or a moment um in the story yeah so i think it's it's not just oral storytelling there's people in the old days would have sat around the fire and mimicked animals and mimicked each other and they would have talked about uh oh do you remember what happened up at that those rocks those ones that looked like two people sitting on a hill or um i still do that yeah. <laughs> does that tree look like a giraffe we, to you? we were on a dinosaur rock on saturday oh let's meet at the dinosaur rock okay we all knew what what we meant we all knew the rock we meant <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it restores our connection to place a lot of the time doesn't yeah. it mm. uh, we loved the stories at the camp um that you would so you would get somebody chris would get some 
someone to choose something out of your bag, wasn't it? And it was, um, was it like a picture? I can't remember. Yeah, it's a little disc like a little with disc. the name of a story on it. And then we tell that story. And then you tell that story. But like you say, it was really immersive because it was, it, it, there was, there was the, there was a connection between us all sitting mm. around the, this fire, mm. the fire that never really, never went out, wasn't it? Um, mm. And then, um, you know, just, yeah, you, you, your presence, but your accents were amazing as well. But like, there was a lot of, um, there was music that you'd bring in as well. And, and mm. it was really, it was a really immersive experience and the setting of where we were. And it really felt like, yeah gosh I can I can see why this was such a community yeah such part of the community you know to 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 do that in a village to sort of yeah. share stories and sit around a fire and but yeah we we did love that yeah it's a good way to listen to each other I mean, one of the things that people say one of the old Celtic wisdoms is um the shortest distance between two hearts is with a story oh, oh I love that I love that, That's I love that. Yeah. And I think as well, what you've been explaining about the storytelling in the different ways you can do that, it does embody that element of play that we were talking about at the start. And and also with the, the oral story, storytelling, when you strip away images and sound effects and everything else, it, it does open up the imagination because sometimes mm. we're, we're fed so much information. There is no room for the imagination. Yeah. Just yeah. realise it both imagination, imagination, information. information. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> inspiration. Oh yes, yeah. another one. The shun, shuns. Um, Somebody said imagineering the other day. It's quite a good. I quite like that as a word. Yeah, that's Ooh, yes. Imagineering. Like that, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. To use that one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Chris, coin that before anyone else pinches it. That's uh, listening. Somebody else has done it. Ah, oh. oh, never mind. Darn it! Darn it! Um, so for. For people that are listening that um, maybe want to experience what Sibby did with her family mm. um, and, you know, do something like that or work with you in a different way, what? how would they go about that and what could they? Uh, well, the camps I facilitate for um, Trill on the Hill and that's the Trill on the Hill website is Trill on the Hill. Um, I don't remember whether it's a .org or a .com or a .blah, blah, blah. I'm not really we'll sure. We'll find it. We'll find <laughs> yeah. it. We'll put it in. Yeah. And then the easiest way to get hold of me is on my naturenconnection.co.uk website. I've got one that's called Whole Land as well, which is kind of a pun on my work, my name, surname, Holland, but it's difficult to spell a bit. People go, how do you spell it? So Nature Connection is just easier. <laughs> or the didgeridoo man, or natural musicians, you know, any of those three. But the Nature Connection one kind of links through to them all. Mm. Okay. there's also your book isn't there i love my world oh, yeah. which um yeah people oh, could, yes. could look up which is beautiful and packed with lots of ideas connecting with nature mm. with your family and yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah. i think just to kind of wrap up you know the the biggest thing that you've seen with the people that you've worked with um you know in terms of what people are taking from it or what they're getting from the experience. Is, is there any commonalities that you could sort of share with people listening that you found over the time, over the years? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, do they leave feeling a lot yeah. more relaxed than when they came? You know, just the sort of... Certainly with the... Well, often with a family camp. Depends on the weather. <laughs> <laughs> 
our weather wasn't wasn't great, but we still left with a you yeah. know we got yeah. so much from it. Uh, we mm. we really did, and and I mean just you know from my point of view, it um it just did us the world of good. That's that's mm. all I can say. Really, it was oh, just um, wonderful. There were so many memories that we made, even in just such a short time. Yeah. So that's from a perspective of a family, yeah. and I'm sure that you know you must have had other experiences with some of your different work mm. with people yeah i i i think I, I was trying to sort of dig down underneath it what's the common human need that uh gets satisfied by especially the family camp mm. and i think there's there's a kind of sense of belonging that comes from that camp it's like it almost everyone has a, a place that's what I'm hoping to facilitate is this kind of feeling of um, everyone has a place they feel at home on earth, a bit more connected and in a caring and kind, um, yeah, more relaxed space. And if they can relax or rest a little bit, then this is all good and nurturing for the soul, I think. Um, so I think, yeah, my nature connection work in general is about uh helping people to have a heartful connection to themselves to each other and to the rest of nature so that we can generally kind of want to take care be kind and you know gentle on this earth um that's what that's... i saw i think you bring because yeah. i think that we felt that so that was the the the, the feeling that was set by or well, the underlying feeling of you know belonging and and that intention of yours mm. at Tamsin's and I think that led to us feeling very accepted and that the conversations that we had while we were there underlying those conversations was that sense of belonging yeah I found that with everybody there yeah, yeah. it was it was a real special yeah it's it's sort of creating something very special I think mm. I yeah found that way. yeah mm. Yeah, good sense of community, isn't it? Yes, coming through. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we, we could ask yeah. you a load more questions, but uh, <laughs> for the sake of this podcast, we better wrap it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, can I, I was just wanting to ask you one, though, if that's all right. Before oh, yeah. The... yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, what's come up for you as a result of this kind of conversation? What comes up in terms of your insight or intuition or kind of uh, yeah what kind of what wakes up as a result of this conversation because i know we're just people representing all this other stuff behind us but from our particular yarn and um yeah. moment together yeah it's something might have bubbled up and i was just wondering what that might be well i've i've got something so yeah. i i've been the last probably year two years maybe i keep having these these thoughts or this almost this yearning to want to live a simpler life that's uh -huh. kind of been creeping back in it's almost like mm. you know that whole off-grid thing mm. and, and whether that's temporary or permanent you know i mean my children would probably <laughs> not be happy you know <laughs> what do you mean you want to live in a log cabin in the middle of the mountain there's no wi-fi <laughs> Um, but, you know, it's interesting for me to, after this conversation, really kind of dig into those, what's that, what's driving it, those needs, those wants. And I think it is about belonging. And I think it is about um, experiencing community in a different way to how we're kind of 
almost placed and strategically maneuvered through life in the society that we have now and yeah and so and and also for me when you were talking about the music with the land obviously being a musician and I sing you know it kind of makes me want to go out to these places and play and sing more and yeah just you know say hi hi (laughs) yeah if I could do anything but I am and I'll show up and so it's just yeah it's helping me in as an individual connect in a more deeper way to what's really what what is that pull because sometimes it feels like it's more about an escape mm. but actually I think it's more about what I want to experience in a more organic way mm. with other people and connections yeah great I, I think I sometimes think that that sounds a bit like what nature wants of us mm. and if we didn't see ourselves quite so much as individuals but a if you took away our bodies took away everything we're we're kind of energy then we're interacting with nature and i think i don't know i think the land kind of wants us to be a little bit more uh, harmonious in some way and that might just be by being more simple living more simply yeah i agree Mm. mine's kind of mine's similar i've 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 been feeling this shift for um oh gosh like a year or longer just of this i just want to make a big change for my family and there's a real Mm. and and maybe there is that uh, there definitely is a yearning but a pull and and a pull to to a pull to change change the road that we're on let's say you know Mm. and 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 Trill on the Hill was part of that. Um, yeah. And I think what I'm really being asked to do is to step up my role as a mother and sort of find ways of, of creating a life, a bit like what Sally's saying, of sort of creating a life or, or changing the lives that we're living as a family so that there mm. is more space for nature. Mm. And also kind of opening a line of communication more with nature because Mm. I know that I get kind of downloads like some of the poems I know I read a couple of poems out at camp but you know I know there's a I know there's a line of communication yeah and I want to be more open to that you know and actually be and actually say I'm and be present and say I'm here (laughs) I'm open Mm. so yeah it's kind of like carving that out in in like in my life and our lives really so yeah. yeah Not just listening to the birds more, but listening to the other voices. There's so many other languages out there, aren't there? Exactly. Um, And if it is the language of poetry or the language of music that's kind of threading through everything, we can tune into all of those different languages. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, that's the. I think that's the first question we've had. Yeah, on the show. But so it's we really lovely. We enjoyed that. That was good. It's lovely to have a question, actually. Yeah, thanks for that, <laughs> thanks, Chris. Chris. That's <laughs> right. Great. Well, thanks for having me on so much. It's been really nice to chat with you guys. Yeah, Very you nice too. To do on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we like to spend our Tuesday mornings. We, we do. So, <laughs> thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening. So if you would like to connect to us elsewhere in the multiverse, well, you can. You can find me, Sally, at thecreativeyou.co.uk or on Instagram as the.creative.u. 
for Sibby, her website is healingrights.com and she's also on Instagram as Sibby Rights. Lots of love. See you soon.